Brooks Hatlin was released after being in prison for 50 years. And when he was finally free, he struggled greatly to live free. And it's both a poignant and powerful segment in the movie The Shawshank Redemption to watch Brooks attempting to live as a free man. He just couldn't adjust to how different the life of freedom was from the life of imprisonment. And so he writes a letter back to his friends who are still in prison, and he tells them that he is afraid all the time. And he suggests in the letter that maybe he should get a gun and rob the foodway, the grocery store where he worked. If he broke his parole, if he committed another crime, then perhaps he could go back to prison. Because prison was home for Brooks. It was familiar to him, comfortable. The bars had become a lifelong comfort to him. He liked the imprisonment, and so he gave up on living as a free man. Being free is one thing. Staying free is another. It requires work. Uncomfortable adjustments must be made. And so it is for you and for me as believers in Christ. Jesus has set us free. Now, you and I must live free. We must stay free. The free life is a new life. It's a new way for us, a different way than the old familiar life of bondage and patterns of sin. And so since Jesus has freedom for us, that's his gift, we must embrace a life of freedom and not go back. Instead, we ought to ask of the Lord, what does a free life look like? For what reasons have you set me free? What is it that only your free people can do in this world? We must find out as you and I continually strive to live free in Christ. That's what I want us to talk about as we return this morning to John chapter 8. I invite you now to take out your Bibles and turn to the Gospel of John. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one in the pew in front of you. When you found your place in John chapter 8, I'm going to ask you to stand so that we might hear read together the word of the living God. John chapter 8, beginning in verse 31, this is the word of the Lord. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say, You will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, once again, we ask for the illumination of your spirit to light your word before us. Make it a lamp into our feet, a light into our paths. 
Lord, light up the life of freedom before us so that we long to live it through the power of your spirit. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Look again, if you will, in verse 31. Jesus says there, If, if you abide in my word, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And now look down in verse 36. Jesus, again, speaking, says, If, if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And so Jesus presents us here with two ifs. And they seem to make the freedom we have in Christ conditional. Now, those of us here this morning who celebrate those great solas of the Reformation, sola scriptura, scripture alone, sola fide, faith alone, sola gratia, grace alone, solus Christus, Christ alone, we get a little uncomfortable when we think about these unconditional gifts of God coming with a condition. And so let me be clear on this. And let me just say, this is a a gospel preacher's favorite theme to make clear before a congregation such as you are. Our freedom, salvation, is not conditional. Our freedom, salvation, yours and mine is not conditional. The freedom that comes to you and me through faith alone, in Christ alone, by grace alone, is not based on us fulfilling any conditions or meeting any requirements or coming up to any standard. Our salvation in Christ is unconditional. Do you believe that? Salvation is called in Scripture the gift of God. Jesus himself says, freely you have received the salvation freedom God gives us in Jesus. It's just that. It's free. It's not conditional. Neither is the salvation freedom given to us by God a long, arduous, drawn-out process. It happens instantaneously when the Spirit of God joins the the preaching of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In that moment, faith is produced, is given to us as a gift. And in that moment, there is life and freedom is granted. Charles Spurgeon said, Christ has not come to work out for you a deliverance which will take hours, days, weeks, or months to complete He has come to knock your fetters off with a single stroke and set you free at once. Can't you see the hammer in the hand of Christ as he strikes those chains, those fetters, those cuffs that bind us? They're shattered, but we go away free and whole in Jesus. God graciously in his word And in reality and in time and space gives us physical pictures of this instantaneous spiritual freedom. Jesus stands outside the tomb of the dead Lazarus. And he says, Lazarus, come forth. And the man who died came out. 
his hands and feet bound with linen strips, and his face wrapped with cloth. And Jesus said to them, Unbind him and let him go in an instant. We just read earlier in the service. The angel struck the imprisoned Peter on the side and woke him up saying, Get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands and he went free. In Acts 16, we read about Paul and Silas in prison, praying, singing hymns to God at midnight, and the prisoners were listening. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bonds were unfastened. In a moment, as scripture calls it, in the twinkling of an eye, So know this, our salvation freedom is not conditional. It comes to us as a free gift of God by grace through faith in an instant. And I will say this to you, if you are here this moment and are not free in Christ, you can be. Listen, it's as simple, it's as instantaneous as Scripture has just demonstrated it to be. Believe now, even now. In this moment, place your trust in Christ. Place your faith in Christ as the Savior who willingly died to release you from your sins. The misery of them, the death of them, both now and in the life to come. And in this moment, you will be free. Boys and girls. Are you here? I'm so glad you're here this morning to hear this. Because you know what? I heard this same call from a preacher to believe in Christ. To put my faith in him when I was seven years old in a service just like this one. And over 50 years later, I still remember that moment vividly. The change that came upon me in an instant. And I can remember looking at the adults who were looking at me in that moment and then the days uh, that came after. And I said to myself, they don't believe what happened to me because I'm just a seven-year-old kid, but you know what? I didn't care because I knew that Jesus had set my little seven-year-old sinner self free. If you want to know more about that, meet, meet me on the portico. After the service, I'll tell you more about it. That invitation goes to anyone who is here this morning. Our salvation in Christ, not conditional, it's free. But once you and I have been set unconditionally free, staying free and living free is conditional. Jesus says here, if you abide in my word, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Christ has acted on our behalf to set us free, and now we have to live into and live out of the freedom that Christ has given to us. God makes this clear in what he inspires the Apostle Paul to write in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. You see, the apostle Paul holds out the possibility that free people, people made free in Christ, 
can put themselves back into the slavery and the misery of sin. Just like Brooks Hatlin. Those old ways, those old patterns, those old rhythms of life before Christ are very comfortable to us. They feel like home. And so God commands, stand firm. You and I have got to be completely committed to living a life of freedom in Christ. God commands it. He commands this as well. Do not submit. Listen, you and I can't bow our heads again and expose our necks and our backs so that that harness and that burden of sin can be put back on us. No, God commands otherwise. We must not submit again to the life of slavery. Romans chapter 7, verse 6, the Apostle Paul writes, But now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we can serve, so that we can serve in the new way of the Spirit. Serve, literally translated, means so that we can become a slave, you and I, to the new way of life in the Spirit, a free way to live. So, how is it that you and I can obey these commands and live free? How can we stay free? This morning, I'm going to offer just one way, one way that you and I can live free and stay free. And that one way is this. We must be honest with ourselves. We must be honest with ourselves. Can you be? Can you? Can you be honest with yourself about yourself? It's a pride crusher, is it not, to be honest even with ourselves about who we are and our weaknesses and our failures and our struggles and our sin. But listen, Jesus is most helpful for those who are most honest with themselves. Jesus is most helpful for those who are most honest with and about themselves. We can't live a life of self-deception or self-delusion. Pride wants us to do both of those things. The enemy of our souls, and we have one and he's real, he wants you and me to deceive ourselves about ourselves so that we never live the life of freedom that Christ has for us. And we see the depth of that deception here in verse 32 and 33. Jesus says this, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Now look in verse 33. Those who had believed in him said, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? This is so, this is so great. Let me just say, our enemy never changes his tactics. From first century to July 10th, 2022, If you don't like what someone says to you, just get offended. How is it that you say that we are not free? Offense shuts down conversations, not only with self, but with others as well. And in this case, between Jesus and these people. 
Being offended shouts, leave me alone. I don't want to be honest with myself. I don't want you to be honest with me either. I don't want to talk about this anymore. And such really is the great tragedy of a cancel culture, is it not? It chases honesty away. And you and I have to realize that it's easy for us to become more and more accustomed to this way of thinking and living and being because it's so familiar to us and so common in our culture. But please do this. Don't cancel Jesus or the conversation that you can have with him about yourself and what you need to live free. Not only does this crowd attempt to cancel Jesus, they also deny the facts. This is Facebook, first century style. This is mainstream media. This is the elected officials who are over us. If you don't like the facts, if the facts aren't convenient to you, just deny them, distort them, skirt them, seclude them, subvert them, especially if the facts don't prop up the narrative that is most comfortable for you. So what do the Jews say here? We have never been enslaved to anyone. What? (laughs) They were always enslaved over and over again. They were slaves in Egypt. They were slaves in the promised land in bondage to the Philistines over and over again until God raised up one judge after the other to set them free. They were rejected from their own country and taken into what? Captivity in Babylon. Even when they were allowed to come back to their country, they didn't rule themselves. They were ruled by other nations. And even now, as Jesus speaks these words, they were under subjection to the Romans that they hated so ferociously and they were humiliatingly subservient to them. And yet these people deny the facts and say, we have never been enslaved to anyone. Now look, even if you can see that, well, they're not talking about physical bondage here. They're talking about their spiritual condition. They would still be denying the facts. The great prophet Elijah said to the Lord in utter despair, I have been very zealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, killed your prophet with the sword, and I, even uh, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. They were in the slavery of idol worship. God's people were. And of course, we can't fail to mention the famous words of the prophet Isaiah, chapter 2. 61, as he predicts the coming of Christ. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. God was going to send the Messiah because of the depth of the spiritual enslavement to sin. And you know what else perhaps is even true? It's possible that the people listening to Jesus here were the most enslaved at all. When we consider the fact 
that God chose this time, their time in history, to be the time that he would send the Messiah to set prisoners free. And even if it had been true, that they were never in physical bondage, even if it had been true that spiritually they had always been faithful to the Lord, it still wouldn't matter. They would still need to be set free. Look what Jesus says in verse 34. Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. Everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. And of course, that's everyone who's ever lived. Scripture says all have sinned. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But the people didn't want to talk about that any more than our culture today wants to talk about sin. To our culture, sin is an antiquated relic of the past. Worse than that, it's a repressive idea. And of course, with no standard of truth, there can be no sin. It's not even possible to run afoul of a standard if that standard does not exist. And that's the way we like it. So we don't have to be honest with ourselves and our own brokenness. We just accept whatever it is and call it good and right and normal. See, here's the great thing about our culture. If you want to sin, we each serve as our own footnote. See, we can make any statement we want. And beside that statement, we see the little superscript number one. And so we look to the bottom of the page to see, well, what's the reference for this? And we read there, because I said so. We're our own footnote. No, God's standards are real. They are true. When we transgress against them, we sin. Our claims that those fixed truths are not so, just because we say they are not so, is a self-deception. You ready for a C.S. Lewis quote? C.S. Lewis. Always a good day to quote C.S. Lewis. The very idea of freedom presupposes some objective moral law which overarches rulers and ruled alike. Unless we return to the crude and nursery-like belief in objective values, we perish. See, crude and nursery-like belief. Is that not what the intelligentsia of the day, are those not the labels that they apply to those who believe? Do they not bludgeon us with those crude, nursery-like belief? And the truth is crude. It belongs to the nursery of philosophy and intelligence. Faith in Christ belongs with the babies in the nursery. And because you and I loathe to be considered unintelligent or simple-minded, we slowly began to accommodate to the culture's war on the truth, and we slip back into a life of slavery to sin. Don't accommodate. Stand firm. There is truth. Jesus is truth. 
What he does is truth. What he says is truth. What he commands is truth. That is truth. And we transgress against it every day. We've got to be honest with ourselves. How could these people, how can you and I ever experience release, much less stay free, if we don't admit the truth to ourselves? And because these people refuse to be honest with themselves, about themselves, instead of seeking the help that Jesus offered, Jesus knows this, and he says it about them at the end of verse 37. Look there. My words find no place in you. Those are the most tragic words for Jesus to say and realize that his truth had no place in their hearts. Those who will not admit their need for Christ. Those who prefer to live in their prison of the familiar rhythms of sin because like Brooks, prison is more comfortable more familiar than home, we will revert to a life of slavery. It's easier to be there, easier to stay there. But I'm telling you, the heart that has no place for the Word of God will be a barren heart. It'll be a desert heart. It'll be an imprisoned heart without the truth of Christ in it. Again, C.S. Lewis writes, The lost enjoy forever the horrible freedom they have demanded. The lost enjoy forever the horrible freedom they have demanded. Those who demand freedom from Christ, instead of seeking freedom in Christ, will be lost forever. Let's not deceive ourselves. Instead, let's be honest about our great need so that we will go to Christ, our great Savior. The one who makes provision for our greatest needs will go to him for the strength to live free and to stay free, the strength to abide in him. Let us agree together that you and I, we will talk honestly to the Lord about ourselves, that together you and I will strive to live this life of freedom that he has accomplished for us, and that with his help we will strive to be free from self and free from the comfortable patterns of sin, so that we are free, as the Apostle Paul writes, to live in the new way of the Spirit. What, what can the Lord accomplish through people who live free and stay free in Christ? I close with this quote. William Henderson, in his commentary on these verses, one, who is free, one is free when sin no longer rules over him. And when the word of Christ dominates his heart and life. One is free, therefore, not when he can do what he wishes to do, but when he wishes to do and can do what he should do. Let's pray. Father, may, may it be true of us. May this be the kind of freedom we seek, not to do what we want, but to do what you want us to do, not to do what 
we want to do, but to do the things that you show us we should do in this world. That's what free people do. Father, help us to be free, to stay free, to live free, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.